0: outnumbered, outgunned, ambushed, and shot multiple times by a highly organized criminal gang. He survived to tell the tale, and he's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guest, We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement Firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us all the way from California, Joel Willis. Joel, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. You betcha. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on here. You referred to me by a prior guest, Robert Wrangle. Robert wrote a couple books, The Red Dot Club. Uh, Robert's retired Los Angeles County Sheriff's Detective survived a brutal shooting, and uh, he told his story in incredible fashion, in a way that you know anyone can understand. And he referred me to you, and you're also in one of his books. Which book are you in?
1: I'm in the second book, The Red Dot Club, Victims' Voices.
0: Got you, and it details yeah. an incident when you were in a police department in California. Which department was that?
1: Uh, I was with the City of Downey Police Department, East L.A.
0: East L.A., okay, all right. then uh, In that story, and I didn't read it, but I did have a chance to talk to you about it. You know, one of the things in for law enforcement officers, we always hear the sayings, you know, outgunned and outnumbered. And, you know, the truth is, every time you strap on a uniform and get in a patrol car, marked car, you are definitely outgunned and outnumbered. The, the, you know, there's one of you, uh, your partner, your side partner might be a couple miles away. Uh, and there could be 30, 40, you know, bad guys just in the general vicinity. But you rolled up on a call for service where you were definitely outgunned and outnumbered. Tell us about this, this call just from the very beginning.
1: Well, it was uh, it was a Tuesday morning, 0500 in the morning. Me and my one of my patrol mates were doing our reports, and uh, a weird call came out that there was a possible robbery at the Pace Warehouse store. Pace Warehouse was basically your Costco.
0: Right. That's what it is. And that's an unusual time of day to have our robbery calls.
1: Yes. Yes. The, uh, the, the RP, the reporting party, the person that called said something very cryptic. It was, they've got guns, they've got rifles. I can't talk. We're being robbed. And then hung up the phone. So that's kind of what came out over the radio. Now there were four of us working that night for the entire city and the city's only just roughly 13 square miles. But we had six guys, and we had to—two of them were being paid overtime because they were filling in for two other officers that had been in a really bad traffic accident. So around three in the morning, the sergeants and administration cut those two overtime officers loose, so they went home. So it was just the four of us, and the call went to the north end units, Ralph and Bjarnason, and Randy and I were just sitting there, and we're like, hey, let's go let's go up there and help them. You know, you never know. So uh, it was almost, you know, two hours away from me to shift. So we took off and started heading that way, and I, I, I distinctly remember flying down Florence Avenue and seeing uh, Bjarnason, first, I'm sorry, his first name's Keith, ahead of us. And then it was me and Randy, and I, I didn't see Ralph at all. But when we got there, Keith had turned, made a U-turn at the light, and then came back around and parked underneath the 605 freeway, which, was, which ran northeast parallel to the west side of the, the location. Gotcha. So we went back and parked under there, and there's a gas station that's open at 5 in the morning, and we all just assumed Pace wasn't open uh, the pay phones at the gas station when you dial nine one one, they come up with the same address as the Pace
0: Warehouse store. So you would think logically that the call would be at the gas station.
1: That was our original assessment that, you know, Pace is closed. Gas station is open. This is probably a pump and run back then in 1990. You could pump your gas first and then pay for it. Obviously they don't do that now, but, uh, so as we pull up and park a ways away, we walk up, and I distinctly remember looking at Officer Ewing. He grabbed the shotgun, and I thought, I thought to myself, and I was a young cop. I was probably eight months out of the academy, and I thought, wow, um, maybe that's a little overkill. I don't know that. This pump and run is going to be that big of a deal. Yeah, when you say pump and
0: run, it's not unusual for people to call in and say something more drastic or more dangerous is going on and try to get the police there quicker.
1: Oh, exactly. Exactly. But what was funny, not funny, haha, but funny when we walked up, I look and I see the Pace Warehouse, the front doors, there's usually a garage door that covers it you know, overnight to lock the doors, the glass doors, Right. that was, that was up and the lights were on and there was probably about 25 cars in the parking lot out front of pace. And I'm like, why are they open? I had no, never even thought about them being in there stocking, you know, getting ready uh, that early. But then I thought, okay, I huh, wonder what's going on here.
0: Did uh, alarm and alarm bell start going off in your head that something was off or just, it just seemed odd to you?
1: Just seemed odd at the point, but prior to that, there was a, uh, and I found out later, prior to that, there was an alarm call at 2.30 in the morning, and we never knew about it because the manager of the pace was called by his alarm company and said they had an intruder, they had, you know, alarm deactivation, and he just said he would handle it, and he rolled over and went back to bed, and I guess what it was was Three of the suspects were cutting their way through the roof into the store. Now, that was unbeknownst to us. So as we cleared the gas station, Officer Bruner, Ralph, gets on the radio, and he says, I'm 1097, he's he's on scene, and he's going to go check pace from the east. And we were walking up from the west. Three of us walking up from the west. He's going to the east. And as we're walking slowly, we're seeing all the cars, Ralph Ops Bruner gets on the radio and starts screaming. And I can't hear a word he's saying. We have these, I mean, we had these cheap, not cheap, but they weren't very good portable radios.
0: And even with the best ones, if you are, if you're very loud or screaming, no one can understand you. Or in foot pursuits, you can't understand you either. So it's it's worth a try.
1: Well, what I got, what I gathered from it all was, that he was in trouble you know i couldn't hear what he said but i could hear the fear in right. his voice so i start running down through the lot i completely lost thought of the other officers with me it just became me and t- time didn't slow down per se but it it just focused on me getting to ralph right and as i turned the corner and started running across the front of the store I saw Ralph at the back of his car, and he's yelling into the pack set, into the radio, and he's also waving and yelling really loud at me to get back. And then he got back on the radio and said calmly, he said, it's a good 211 there's guys inside with rifles and ski masks.
0: Wow. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Joel Willis, a uh, retired police officer. We're talking about the night that he and other officers were ambushed, uh, shot, outgunned, outnumbered. You listen to Law Enforcement Today. We'll be right back.
2: Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center.
3: Tax laws can help you. Plus, right now, we'll waive the consultation fee and give you a free tax savings report. Attention business owners, the self-employed, and W-2 workers. Make this free call to the tax doctor now and learn how to take advantage of the new tax laws that may help you pay the IRS less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. 663 5107 That's 800-663-5107.
2: There are many
0: sounds in your daily life, ones that make you smile, (laughs) ones that help you relax, and there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn
2: more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
0: Back to the conversation with Joel Willis, retired police officer, and we're talking about the night, you said it was 1990. What was the date? October 9th, 1990. So you're at the Pace Warehouse, you know, and it's 5 o'clock in the morning, and no one expects an armed robbery call at 5 o'clock in the morning. I didn't. Burglaries, especially commercial burglaries, think, okay, you know, something to that. And they tend right. most often to not be violent. So it's, you know, you don't get your blood all pumped up and the adrenaline going, but
1: you're, oh, yeah, plus you're tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you're exhausted. Yeah, was, and, it, and it was Friday. Is, it was five yeah. in the morning. I was. I wanted to go home.
0: Right, fighting to stay awake, but then yep. your side partner, as we called him, Baltimore, starts screaming that you got an arm robbery. There's there's guys in the Pace warehouse. They've got uh, long rifles and and masks on. What happened at that point?
1: The second he said that, I stopped and I looked and I saw a pillar. That held up the facade, you know, the front facade of the the store. Right. Uh, it was about a three by three pillar, and I thought to myself, "Oh, this is going to be great. I've got great cover. They're going to come out, and they're either we're going to we're going to get them, catch them red-handed, or we're going to get into a shootout. And I've got great cover. So, a little worried, but not too bad. I was young, dumb, um, excited. But the second I looked at that pillar and knew that's where I had to get. I took a step, and I was immediately hit from behind. It's, it felt like somebody hit me with a sledgehammer as hard as they could, and then it immediately went away. Like I, It was just like the contact hit, the pain disappeared, and then everything just went into a time warp.
0: Did you know what <laughs> I, that was, what you were hit
1: by? I, I, I don't know how I knew it, but I turned around. And I said an ex- expletive, you know, who that just shot me? And I don't know how I knew, uh-huh. but I turned. I turned, and here's this dude in black BDUs with a, uh, you could see he had a bulletproof vest on, and a ski mask, a uh, big huge guy, and just standing there, offloading his AK-47 right at me.
0: How far away were uh, you from this guy?
1: I was probably. 25 feet away, maybe 20 feet. Yeah. And and as I as I, you know, I'd already been hit, so I'm thinking I got to get to this pillar and I looked again to see where he was at and Randy, Officer Ewing came into my view and just as he came into my view, he was right between me and the bad guy. And Randy took two rounds on his right hip right right through his through his sam brown through his le- leather belt right it went through that and then it blew out the front of him so i saw and it looked like he slipped on a like a banana peel like a cartoon you know he just went seat up his front side exploded in red and i remember thinking to myself he's dead what am i getting? why is this guy trying to kill me and, and again time is in Time is in,
0: it's it stopped. It's all but stopped. It gets very distorted. The whole perception of time uh, just yeah. goes away. It's not, I, I focused only on the gun. Uh, and the shooting yeah. Is like, I couldn't even oh, yeah. tell you what else was going on.
1: Yeah, no, I had muzzle flash that I could tell you it was approximately five and a half feet long. And that's what I was looking at. And then it was like pictures, you know, it was like watching a movie that skipped a, skipped a, a reel or a, or a picture. And I remember looking back and seeing the pillar and telling myself I've got to get there and feeling bullets, uh, literally, literally whizzing by my face, hitting, hitting the ground, hitting the pillar, hitting everywhere and I was sitting there going, How did he? I know he hit me once. How did, how is he missing me now? And they just kept going by and kept going by. And the next thing I, re- I blacked out. I don't, I don't remember falling. I don't remember anything other than I, I came to, which had to have been a second, maybe later, behind the pillar. I was, now I was behind cover. So I felt a little better but the bullets were still whizzing. They were still just it was just nonstop. I think they fired over 175 rounds or something.
0: You say there like was that. more than one assailant.
1: Yes, there was there was the guy that was shooting at me and unbeknownst to me there was a there was a van in the parking lot that was parked in the first row and three guys were inside there waiting just in case we showed up. And the guy inside the van was shooting out towards where Officer Bruner was on the east side of the doors. And the driver, they surmised, had a shotgun, and he, he busted off a couple rounds towards me. Um, but I never saw those guys. All I saw was that muzzle flash and that one dude. And I remember being back behind the pillar. And just everything, you know, everything goes through your head. I think I cried. I know I cried. Um I didn't want to die. I was 22 years old. I had a I had a 6-month old. Uh, I thought about everybody and just thought, you know, this is how I'm going to go. Dah, 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 dah. And then I remembered. I looked down and grabbed my radio to tell, you know, hey, you got to let them know what's going on. So I get on the radio and I'm screaming, 12 I'm hit. 12 I'm hit. And then I looked down and my hand, and my other hand is my, my Colt 45, <laughs> my gun. And once I saw that gun, it was like a transformation. Uh, I don't, I can't even explain it. I turned into uh, it turned into somebody I'm normally not. And just this like core of rage lit up in the center of my chest. And, and you know, without trying to use bad words, I was pretty um And, I, and I remember- that's, I
0: think, pretty common because I, I can remember very clearly the overriding emotion that came over me and my shootings. Yeah. And I was very lucky. I did. I was never shot. I'm very fortunate. But the initial, I wouldn't say fear because it happened so fast. I didn't have a chance to be afraid. But incredible Almost primordial rage. Just rage, like. rage, I, rage. How? Could, why are you experience. shooting at me? You don't even know me. You want to kill yeah, me. It's you like, don't even know well, who I is, am. Yeah, you son of a... Bitch. Yes, I f- get it. To this day, <laughs> I still don't understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just like, what? Is, why do you want to... Just
0: why? So you hit on a very important part. We'll get back to, to more of this in a moment. Something you said is very, very important. And I was talking to my wife who said, I'm, I'm not... I'm not by any means an angry, violent person, but right. I can be very violent if needed. Right. And I never, I never thought I was that kind of guy. I never thought me I neither. had it inside of me. I always thought, hey, am I even tough enough to do this job? Can I? Exactly. Can I be a police? Exactly. And then when exactly blankety blank hits a fan, and all of a sudden it's like you're screaming like a, a, a lunatic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my father told me after—my uh, father's in the second book as well. He's in Chapter 2. Um, uh, he was involved in a pretty horrific shooting. But he he, he told me, he said, he, you have to become—you instantly become, not, not consciously, but you instantly become more violent than the person that's trying to be— Violent towards you. Uh, yeah, and you and do that, I don't think you that you was a that training. You have to win. Uh, yeah, no, it's it
0: just it's comes like, out of you from somewhere. I don't know it where it comes, comes
1: from. from. Fight or flight, and some guys curl up, and it's not a conscious decision of their own. It wasn't a conscious decision of my own to to gather this rage and and decide I was going to fight and I was not going to let him kill me, uh, and 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 that's all I can explain it. I became it was I was so rageful that I, I i started shooting at this guy, and I'm screaming at him. I get it. you know we're gonna take a short
0: s- break. We are talking with Joel Willis, retired police officer uh, about a, literally a night that changed everything physically, mentally, outgunned, uh, outnumbered, ambushed, and uh, he survived. He's gonna tell you more of a story. You listen to law enforcement today, we'll be right back. <laughs>
2: epidemic, America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at Center, Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at TransformationsTreatment.Center.
3: They'll challenge your authority, because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, and in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click, never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup.
0: Back to the conversation with Joel Willis, retired police officer down in California, east of Los Angeles. Joel, I'm so glad you're coming on the show. First of all, I didn't say this earlier. Thank you for your service. I and mean, I do know oh. that yeah, after retiring from police work, you wound up becoming a, a school teacher and just retired from that. So thank you for that as well. And I'm really... Thank you. I'm and really for pre- you yeah. as well. I, I'm really <laughs> appreciative that you come in and talk about this because this is not easy stuff to talk about. Where we left off, you were shot and all of a sudden right. from... Deep inside came this uh, very instinctual, primordial
1: rage. That's a good way of putting it. And what was funny about it, when I tell people and they don't believe me, is I felt like I I was outside of my body, as weird as it sounds, and I was watching myself perform by itself. You know what I mean? My body, I was watching myself take my gun and shoot. And the second I started shooting at this guy, he started running across the parking lot. And as he started running, to this day, I distinctly remember the Cadillac dealership on the other side of the street still had all its lights on. And that just lit this guy up as a great silhouette. And as he was running, I just kept firing. And I hit him twice. I hit him once. He got down. He fell down. I hit him again. And he got up, and then he disappeared. I don't know where he went. Presumably, what happened was the, the van that they were hiding in while we walked up was had already taken off, and I never saw any of that. I just was engaged with this guy, and, and everything else was out of my head as far as what else was going on. You know, all the other officers have their, their own stories with how it happened and what happened to them. But this is this one's mine. This is what I know. I did, and uh, I ended up being twenty feet out into the parking lot, away from the pillar, and I have no idea how I got there.
0: Couldn't explain it. Have no no nope, recollection nope. why. Even nothing. None. Not at all. Not at all. No. Officer Bruner said he
1: he saw me, but couldn't shoot because Randy was right between the bad guy and him. But Randy or Ralph saw me and the guy shooting at each, at each other and then the guy taking off. And that's when he started firing as well at the guy. And then the guy, the guy inside the van, too. That was what Ralph had told me. Randy, Randy poor Randy, he took those first two rounds and he was, he was out of it. I, I, half of me thinks I was trying to get to him. Uh, you know unconsciously trying to get to him after he ran Uh, the suspect ran but i i honestly don't remember how i got there and then i remember what was funny i was you know told you i was eight months out of the academy and you know what you do when you go to the to the firing range at the academy you holster an empty gun right Right. what did i do i holstered an empty gun yeah And, and then i remember what the hell are you doing? There's still three guys on the inside. They're going to come out here and kill us. They're going to finish us off. So I got my gun reloaded. And then as I was doing that, I got, I got hooked by something. Uh, it was a downy fireman and I got drugged, I don't know, 20 feet out of the, out of the kill zone and rushed onto a gurney and then taken taken to the hospital you know where they
0: and it's still going up, on while they did that
1: it's it was it was still going on while they did that it was pretty impressive for the firemen you know i always make fun of them we have know? yeah they,
0: and that's one of the things that people don't understand we have it's we're family <laughs> blue family red family and, and they love oh, yeah. they love the bus oh, on yeah. us. and we love the bust oh, on yeah. them but man oh, yeah. they've saved my bacon so many it. times
1: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, and uh, they got me into the into the gurney and uh, into the ambulance, and they cut off my uniform, and there was probably seven seven rounds that fell out, ricochets and uh, whatnot that came out of my uniform, and it and I had learned that I had been shot through my right arm, the bullet went all the way through the tricep hit my vest right on the edge of the vest, uh, and they were using the Chinese AK round, so it had a steel core. Mm-hmm. The, vest sto- the vest stopped the the casing, but the steel core went through and went into my chest about a half an inch. Wow. And and didn't go all the way through. Had it gone all the way through, it would have gone right through my heart.
0: We wouldn't have had but this conversation. Vest-
1: yeah, we wouldn't be talking, I wouldn't have family, I wouldn't have any of the lovely things I have today um, if it wasn't for that vest. And uh, then I took another round in the hip, and the first round, the one I initially felt, that entered, the original round, entered my right butt, right my my right butt cheek, just below it, and it traveled all the way down my leg. And it had to have ricocheted off my femur, and it blew out the right side of my knee, probably about the size of my fist. It was a big, gaping hole. And that's what I originally felt. I never even felt the entrance wound. I, I, I just thought I got shot in the knee. That was the exit wound. And it, it blew out a gigantic hole. <laughs> and that was the only one I knew until I got to the hospital and, and found out I'd been shot two other times.
0: And this is at eight months out of the academy.
1: Yeah, eight months. Eight months.
0: Yeah. And no one ever thinks that's going to happen, especially at five o'clock in the morning. They used to, yeah. when we worked midnight shifters. Like the worst time was between uh, four thirty and seven. Just trying to, just trying, to, just stay trying awake. to stay awake. Stay awake. Oh my! It's brutal. I actually fell asleep at a red light once in an old cruiser, and someone had come knock on my door. I was first on line, right. you know, because it's just oh, so yeah. hard, especially if you had court in the morning. So you're oh, just God thinking, yeah. I just I want I to go home, get to bed and, and have nothing happen between here and now. And please don't give me an accident call or a burglary right. call. Or anything like that. I just right. want to go home. And then you hear you are in absolute, you and other officers, in absolute fight for your lives. Yeah. How many people were involved in this crew?
1: It turns out that after the investigation it was a group of anywhere from 25 to 40 guys they were all they were all Black guerrilla Family which is a prison gang right and they were all on parole for murder or armed robbery or some sort and they would and there was one guy their leader uh, he would send out crews of 5 to 6 and they would go out and do these large scale robberies where they would cut in through the roof wait for employees to arrive and then just hit the safe. It's usually after a holiday. This one was the day after Columbus Day where the, you know, banks were closed back then. And then they would just go in with full force and, uh, uh full arm, you know, full arms. We had never seen anything where these guys were that prepared with AK 47s and mini 14s and, and uh, bulletproof vests.
0: So they were outfitted with soft body armor, radios. radios. They had everything. They they were yeah. They were serious.
1: This was, this was North Hollywood before North Hollywood, if you know the North Hollywood yes, shooting.
0: I do remember. This that is one. what it was. And yeah, this is that, all that, before the time when we had you know the advent of police officers having ARs or other long rifles, oh yeah, patrol oh, rifles in their cars. A, I had a I had
1: a Colt forty five and a shotgun. No tasers, none of that less lethal stuff. It was had a baton, a, a Colt forty-five cocked and locked, and a Remington eight seventy. That was all I had.
0: And I hate to break it to you, we had thirty-eight revolvers, a nightstick, and a base that only worked on innocent bystanders and police. That's all it all yeah, worked right? on. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> with Joel Willis, retired police officer. He lives in law enforcement today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a few moments. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center.
3: Remember in the beginning when you first started to build a life for you and your family. You never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life stop living with debt and start living your dreams call the debt helpline now 800-948-6817 800-948-6817 800-948-6817 that's 800-948-6817
2: listen my life changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs no one can understand people think that having someone who will listen makes it better i need help i'm listening i need help i think that having someone who will listen makes it better people understand no one can get me to use drugs my life changed because
0: someone was there to listen go to here for tips and tools to turn addiction around brought to you by the ad council Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Joel Willis. Joel, the retired police officer. And you were confronted by serious, hardcore, organized criminal gang members that were outfitted with the AK-47s, Mini-14s, soft body armor, radios, and they were committed to being engaged in gunfire with police, if that's what it came to. And that's what it came to for you and your partners. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> and that's not something we encounter much. Most of what we get, we say it's the, more the, I can't believe you know this this guy on the street corner would try to take a shot at me. He, they're not they're not organized. They're not trained. They don't plot things out. It's more flying by the yeah. crime. But to encounter something like this, that's a totally different story.
1: Yeah, I mean most of your most of your officer involved shootings are within six feet, within ten seconds, and less than twelve rounds. This was probably a minute and a half. We were sprawled throughout the parking lot and there was over 175 rounds fired.
0: And this is Uh, why, this is the reason why we have so many law enforcement officers. That in North Hollywood bank robbery shootout uh, that we have uh, uh, patrol rifles and what people seem to be military style equipment that so many people have a problem with. I would have given anything if I was in a situation that you were in to have just one of those.
1: Oh, it would have been nice. Yeah, in fact, we didn't get any of that stuff until after the North Hollywood shooting. They didn't. They, they tried to, to let us carry stuff. I I had an AR fifteen of my own. I threw in the trunk. I would rather be judged
0: by twelve than and carried by, by six. six. <laughs> that was our saying too, for sure. Uh, and you know, it's, I'll take my it's, it's so A-R-any funny we can laugh day. about that. But that's that was the mindset then, and it's. The mindset now, and unfortunately, a lot of ones that do survive are twelve tried by twelve.
1: Yeah, and it's horrible. I mean, today—what was it today? The stupid Colin Kaepernick ad, yeah, or whatever for Nike. I mean, what's his? You know, what's his protest? Police brutality. Okay, that happens. That's
0: that's like, you know very less very one, ambiguous. Less than one. Right.
1: Yeah, very ambiguous. All police brutality happens less than one percent. Of the time, uh, you know, from all the officers employed. It's ridiculous. And it's I don't absolutely know of
0: any officer, myself included, that would tolerate any of that stuff, uh, would no. condone any of it. And when we find out about it, when they find out that someone, you know, did something like that, you're like, yeah, okay, been, get rid of the, yeah. them, try them, arrest them, do what you guys do. We don't want them among us because it makes life difficult for everybody, not just yeah, the police, exactly, everybody.
1: Exactly. I mean, I was there in Rodney King. And I remember being seeing the video and thinking, yeah, they probably could have done 10 different other things, yeah. but they didn't. And now we all look like thugs. Yeah. We all look like, and it, now it's causing the riots that I had to go to, you know, two years after recovering and back. I had to be back in the riots, you know, because of some stupid actions, you know. How long did it take you to recover
0: from your injuries?
1: It took me six months to get back into a patrol car. And then I rode along with a guy for about two weeks. So I, I was back on my own a little over six months. A
0: lot of people wouldn't do
1: that. Yeah, I was 22, 23 years old and... I was just young and dumb, I guess. I don't know. It, it, it wore on me, you know, all through the years, but you just deal with it. I was lucky to have a support crew when, at the time, they, uh, they actually, Downey PD actually got it, got in touch with Dr. Larry Blum, who is a world renowned police psychologist. Mm-hmm. And he got us all, they got us all appointments with him, and we sat and talked to him, and I, to this day, I still talk to him.
0: That's amazing day. for back then because still a lot of apartments nowadays won't do that.
1: Oh no, it was cutting edge back then. Yeah, I mean, we had a we had a big full debrief, which I was like, "What is this all about?" You know, just you know, give me give me a shot of morphine and let me go to sleep. Yeah. You know, when I was in the hospital. But yeah, it was it was cutting edge back then. It was pretty good how they took care of
0: us. And unfortunately, when you went back to work, that wasn't your last uh, dose of violence.
1: No, 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 I'm, what do they call me, a quote-unquote magnet?
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I got the same label, but that's not the the term they use. I had guys say, look, I'm not coming around you because you attract too many guns and and gunfire.
1: Yeah, I'm not looking for this, it's just falling right in my lap, I can't help it. Yeah, I, I made a lateral transfer, transfer to Anaheim PD in Orange County thinking, okay, I'll come here. It's a little slower, a little nicer. Disneyland, the Angels, all that good uh-huh. stuff. And within within eight months, we get a call of a kidnapping robbery at the local police. And it turns out it was an actual kidnapping Or a guy jumped out of a bush and took a car down and... Uh, sat behind the driver with a shotgun to his head and made the guy drive him around for four hours. And the driver finally made it to the suites and made a run for it. And the guy is chasing him. Driver gets away, but the gunman's still inside the hotel. And we get there right as that's going on. And a patron comes out and tells the officer I'm with that he's inside and he's got the security guard being held hostage So I'm looking through, I'm behind a pillar at the front of the hotel and I'm looking through uh, the front door, which is half of it solid wood and the other half is pained glass. The top half is pained glass and I'm looking at the front desk and looking for the security guard. I know where he sits, all this stuff. When out of the blue, the guy kicks the front, he was hiding behind the the door, the, the solid part. He was hiding behind that, and he kicks the door open, screaming at the top of his lungs and scares the out of me. Uh And instead of jumping back to my my cover, I jumped out into the kill zone. Just, I don't know why, instinctual. It was one of those, you know, someone comes up behind you and goes, boo, you just do... I jumped the wrong way, and as I jumped, I see inside the barrel of this sawed-off shotgun, (laughs) I can see inside the barrel, and I have my gun up and I I yell, and as I'm yelling I fire, and my first round went click, and it didn't go off. And I remember closing my eyes, grabbing the gun, praying there was a bullet in the chamber because I didn't want to read the newspaper. Or of my family to read the newspaper clippings. An officer was killed because he didn't have a bullet in his gun. Right. Um, And all this stuff's going through my mind. And again, time is slowing down. And then I hear this guy scream and he fires. And his gun goes click.
0: What are the chances of that?
1: I'm just like, are you kidding me? So the race was on. I was able to get another round in. And as I came back up, he had tried to take the gun and put it under his chin. And he couldn't do it. And it, I'm yelling at him, screaming at him, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun. Uh, and he basically just dropped an F word and said, nope. And he dropped the gun and pointed it at me and I fired Fired again. My gun worked. I hit him uh, seven out of the nine times. Wow. And he fell back, fell back into the lobby and we were able to uh, get the guns secured away from them and all that stuff. My partner fired; I think he fired 23 times. Uh, so we shot up the we shot up the place, but uh, uh, that that was my second, you know. And I was like, that one was almost scarier
0: than <laughs> the kidding shot. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I think I'd have a tough time be, be honest with, me, with all of them, and uh, <laughs> they, they are all, and you know they're.
1: Uh, you know they're they're mentally being shot is different than the second shooting just in the fact that there's just this real sense that you know I'm I'm dying I'm I'm going to die the second one I thought I was going to die but I thought there was a slight chance I could get out of it if I could be
0: quick enough you know, and that changes um, but, people yeah. that, that when you really oh, convince you're going to die, it has a remarkable drastic change on you. Oh, no, I
1: live with it every day, every single day. Uh, and it's not a conscious thing, you know, just some days, some things will hit me wrong and you know, the anxiety will kick in and you know, you just, you're uptight. You can't concentrate. And, uh, you just got to talk to people. You just got to talk. And if you don't, you know, that's when bad things happen, you know, because it's there. It's never going away. I've already succumbed to that. It's never going away.
0: And that's all those, what, um, 20 some odd years ago.
1: Yeah. I, I st- it started hitting me probably in 97, 98, these uh, PTSD moments. Um, but I hit it for 10 years. I hit it and I worked, uh. For more than ten years, about fifteen years, I worked a major narcotics unit, working undercover stuff, and all the while hiding, because I didn't—I would—I was going to see my psychologist, but I, nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody.
0: Well, I'm glad. We're actually running out of time and we, we haven't even had a chance to talk about that part of your story so <laughs> yeah. i have to have you back <laughs> again in the future. Joel Willis, retired Downey and Anaheim, California police officer and retired school teacher. Thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforce Today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jay. The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly. We now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for law enforcement today radio show that's a new page be sure to click like when you get there and follow in addition we have our main page which is law enforcement today so do a search on facebook for law enforcement today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well i'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the law enforcement today show Got another great guest in your way next week don't miss it Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.